last week, we talked about the armor of God and how we have to put on the full armor of God. If we want to be the servant that Jesus has called us to be, we have to put that armor on. We have to be ready for battle. This morning, I want us to talk about the fact that while we need to be ready for battle, we also have to make sure that we are bringing peace and we are praising and that we are taking the time to actually celebrate what God is doing in our lives and to remember that he is the one that will ultimately win the battle. No matter what is happening in our world today, he has already won. And beyond anything else, we have to always remember that. And there's a lot of things that have happened in 2020. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't want to, to, to actually set my clocks back last week because I didn't want an extra hour of 2020. But they said that back when we actually set our clocks forward, they actually stated that we had a full moon, we had a Friday the 13th, and we set our clocks forward. So maybe we had all of those things in the same week that maybe we could go back to the factory reset. So far it hasn't happened, but I'm really hoping that, that it might. And in the days after 9-11, uh, there was a, a question that was posed by uh, the NATO Supreme Commander, General Wesley Clark, after the towers crumbled and parts of the Pentagon were pulverized, this is what he asked. He said, will we ever be the same? And I want to ask you that question this morning. Will we ever be the same? And here's my short answer, and then we'll pray and go home. My, my answer is, I hope not. I hope that everything that has happened in 2020, that we won't just go back. Because one of the things that we realized that right after 9-11, church attendance, do you know what happened? It spiked. And it shot straight up. But do you know what happened after the spike? It immediately went right back down. And so what we need to do is, is, is during COVID and during this election season and, and all of this other stuff, the unrest that has been happening in our nation, and many churches still, here's the thing, many churches still haven't opened. Many churches are still only meeting online. Some of them, because they can't meet online, they just haven't reopened at all and thankfully we have seen a great return and we see people continuing to come back but here's the thing I don't want us just to go back to the way that we were I want us to find a new way I want us to find a better way that we can serve Jesus Christ and that we will do just that not just come and sit on Sunday mornings and listen to a message and go wow that was good Travis goofed up the songs were awesome we took communion and now we can go home I want us to say hey we listened to a message and we sang some songs, but now what can we do from Monday through Saturday to serve the king more? That's what I want us to really focus in on. So as we come to Psalm 46, the, the song is written by the sons of Korah in the context of a catastrophic chaos. There were troubled times, unparalleled uncertainty. The, the writer's world was crumbling all around him. And while the psalmist had the nation of Israel in mind, doesn't that kind of sound like us right now? It seems like there's a lot of things that are happening, and we're really not for sure where we're going to come out at. But as we read this, before we get into the context, there's one word that we see three different times, and it's the word Selah. Selah is used in verse 3, 7, and 11. It's used 70 
four times in the Old Testament. 71 of those are used in the book of Psalm. And three times it's used in Habakkuk. When we know, we know the title of this psalm, that it was designated, designated to be sung to the choir master, a psalm. Now, when we read this word selah, most of the time, we, we really don't have it for sure, but it probably means to have a musical rest. The singers would stop, the band would keep playing, and there would just be this time of, of kind of silence. A time of reflection. One Bible dictionary said it can signify a musical crescendo followed by silent reflection. And that's what we want to do this morning as well. I want us to pause and calmly think about it. I want us to, to read through this psalm. I want us to, to really let it just sink in. But I want us to get to the point where we can go, let's just be quiet. Because one of the things that he says here in Psalm 46, at the very end, be still and know that I am God. And we're going to dig into that as we get to the end of the message. So as we see this word, Selah, in all of these different meanings, we could put it this way. In the midst of our problems, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of all of the troubled times around us, let us pause, pivot, and praise. So let's read Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give, gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I love this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will, exalt, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress selah so in the midst of our our problems let us pause pivot and praise how do we do this well the first thing that we see is that god gives us his promise and that promise is very simple he is with you he is with us he never leaves us he never forsake us forsakes us look again at verses one through three god is a refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear the though the earth give way though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling now the the name of god here as we start here god is our refuge 
This name is Elohim. And we're reminded that he is creator, he is king, he is judge, and he is savior. And in the midst of whatever we're feeling today, no matter what you feel today, God promises that he is our refuge, our strength, and our help. He is the creator, the king, and judge. And what I love about this, he's not pointing to a refuge. He says, I'm the refuge. God says, you don't have to look anywhere else because I am your refuge. He himself is the one that we should run to. God is our refuge. Even when everything seems unsteady, when everything seems unstable, the word refuge is a place of trust and literally means to flee. To flee an impenetrable shelter. Let's cry out what we hear in Psalm, <coughs> excuse me, in Psalm 142, verse 5. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You see, God promises to hide us in his shelter. And I love what he says here. We keep reading a very present help in trouble. A very just he could have just said you know in uh trouble but he says a very present trouble and that means that his help is abundantly and greatly right now in our present situation he is with us aren't we glad that we serve a god who comes to our assistance when we're afflicted when things seem to be going horrible when things seem to be falling down all around us god is is with us this last week we were uh on our way uh to to it was wednesday morning we were heading to work out and Teresa was gonna drive separately and she was gonna come into the church for a little bit and she says i want you to drive the suburban because it's not really sounding right <laughs> there was a reason for that we made it about a mile and a half down the road and uh transmission completely went out yeah $5,200 or $5,200 later, we have a new transmission because it wasn't covered. Yeah, right? I know. Um, Chevrolets, I'll tell you. Um, and I've always been a Chevy man. Everybody made fun of me for buying a Ford. Huh, guess what I'm buying next? Had one of those too, so um, maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. You know, that's what Teresa tells me, anyways. Um, but but even in the midst of all of that turmoil and, and and uproar and everything going around, you know, God had taken care of us and made sure that we had money set aside, that we were able to get that covered, and, and it was a true blessing. But let me tell you. When I made the call and I said, how much is it going to cost? My heart skipped a beat. And I went, how are we going to handle this? The Lord has provided. He is abundantly there for us every step of the way. Psalm 9.9 says, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Now this word that we read here, the strength, it implies that we can rely on his might even though we might feel weak even though everything in our life might be falling apart we may feel defenseless we may feel like we don't have a say or everything is falling apart god says lean on my strength 
I am with you. I will never forsake you. I am here. I'm available in the tight places. I will provide. In verse 2, the writer is imagining the worst calamity that could possibly happen. Earthquakes, volcanoes, mountains slipping into the sea. It's a picture of the unmaking of the world. And we read, even though the earth gives way, even though suddenly the earth, that everything just may change all at once, we don't have to be afraid. Now, when you look at a mountain, you go, that's a stronghold, right? Like, and in the ancient world, whenever there was a battle, the people would flee to the mountain because it was strong. But here we read that even the strongest force on the planet could just completely be overturned and completely be demolished and decimated. So we have to run. No matter what happens, we run to the Lord. Verse 3 describes the roaring of waters of the sea. Now this is a picture of our lives when we're out of control. Roaring means to rage or to be at war. When the mountains tremble at its swelling, it refers to the pride or haughtiness of the mountain. The mountain looks and says, I'm not going anywhere. And God says, yeah, you are. You're going into the sea. Because he is greater than any force even on the earth. Psalm 91 verses 5 through 6 says, You will not fear the, the, the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. You see, the psalmist is saying when our security is suddenly gone, we're to seek refuge in only one place, God himself. Our sense of helplessness and fear should drive us to him. I read this this past week. It says, it's easy to trust God when he does what we want. It's the other times when we grow. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, so beautifully puts it. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, fear, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The first Selah is now found at the end of verse 3. So let's just take a second and let this sink in. When the world seems to be falling apart, when your personal world, your, your personal worldview seems to be completely torn asunder, will you run to the Lord? There's so many things that we have that are up in the air in this world, but when we find our refuge in Him, Listen, it doesn't matter what COVID brings our way. It, it doesn't matter who that guy that sits in that big white building up north is. Because we serve the risen king. And, and, and no matter what, you know, I, my son asked me yesterday, we're driving back, and he says, Dad, did you hear that it looks like they're going to call the race for Biden? How do you feel about that? And I go... Still got to go preach tomorrow. Still got to go to work on Monday. I still got to provide for you guys. So how does it make me feel? I still got to do my work. 
could there be more stress? Could our taxes get raised? Could things change a little bit? Maybe. Probably. But guess what? It's okay. Because God is the one who holds the ultimate victory. And as Christians, we have to stand our ground for what we believe as Christians. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all of those that we come in contact with. That is the most important thing about all of this. Number two, we can pivot and praise because of his presence. He is with you. He is with you. Look at verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I want to go back just for a second and, and talk about the, what do I talk about the guy that sits up in the big white building up north? Guess what? There may be some other battles that happen, and we may not know for sure over the next month or whatever, but even then, no matter what happens, no matter whether it's Biden or whether it's Trump, we serve Jesus Christ. Please make sure we don't ever forget that, Okay. And you will never hear, other than that right there, that's about as politicky. that's not even a word, but I made it up, that's about as close as you're ever going to hear me talk about politics, because we serve one king, and never, ever forget that. His presence is with you. God promises us shelter when we seek after him. Fortunately, we don't have to run too far, because guess what? His presence is right here with us. His presence as Christians is living inside of us. And we must make sure that we never forget that. Verse 4 paints a picture that is easy for us to miss. First of all, the city of God is Jerusalem. And here's the thing. You know, it's an absolutely beautiful city. The very first city of Jerusalem <clears throat> was beautiful. The first century uh, city of Jerusalem, beautiful. Several years ago, Teresa and I got to go over and, and to be in Jerusalem. And guess what? It was beautiful to be able to see that. But do you know the one thing that, you know, all major cities have one great thing going for them. What is it? Yeah, they have water. They have a river. They're built on the, uh, the wa a water source. Okay, if you go through the different ones, Babylon was built on the Euphrates, Egypt on the Nile, Rome on the Tiber, Jerusalem? No, no river. I mean... So it could have very easily been caught off guard. But do you know what was great about that? They actually had a watering hole, and we actually got to walk through it, and it was really cool. And I about got stuck, and I can share that story later. Um, but uh, it was really cool to be able to see how they were able to get to the watering source and how they managed to get it into the city. It was absolutely amazing. But in all in all, no major water source but they had one thing going for them that none of those other nations had, God. God, the Most High, was on their side. And that's what we have to hold on to. When the oceans rage and foam and all of that thing is happening, we can have calm and gentleness because we have the river of God flowing through us. 
God's presence with his people is one of the central truths of scripture. Verse 5 says that God is in the midst of her. Verse 7 declares that the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, what's awesome about this, that word Lord of hosts is actually from the root of Emmanuel. We're going to be talking about that very, very soon. As we head into the Christmas season, we remember that Emmanuel means God with us. We read about that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It refers to Jesus. This means that when we put our faith in Jesus, God is with us at all times. Though the mountains give way, though the waters roar, whether the earth quakes and falls apart, we have God with us because of Jesus Christ. Notice the last part of verse 5. God will help her when morning dawns. No matter how bad things get, God's presence is always with us. In the midst of the night, we can get scared and worried and, oh no, what's going to happen? Because things go bump in the night, right? If you ever watch any of the ghost adventure shows, have you ever noticed that they don't ever do anything in the middle of the day? I mean, we really rarely will get scared in the middle of the day. But when it's dark, we don't know what's out there. And so we kind of get a little bit nervous and worried. I hate taking my dogs out at 3 o'clock in the morning. They've got to go, but they walk out there, and I don't know what could be standing right there. And especially when both of them go, I go, I might pee too. You know, because we have, we have, I'm not worried about a fox. Fox would just scare me, okay? And the worst one was a, a bunny rabbit ran in front of me. <laughs> I made it in the house faster than my dog. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, you know, we have, we have a black bear that lives out by us. We have fox that live by us. We, 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 we have a coyote that lives out there. And I don't know what's out there. And the last thing I want is for either one of my dogs to go running after him. Because that means that I have to go running after him. Guess I'm getting a new dog. But we don't like that, right? In the middle of the night, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. We don't like that, right? But, however, morning comes. And when morning comes, God is right there with us. He's never left us. He's never forsaked us, forsaken us. We can experience what Jeremiah did in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We read this. Paul says, Romans chapter 8, verse 39, Neither height, nor depth, nor, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is present. God is with us. Even in verse 6, it says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Rage is the same word of the roaring of the waters back in verse 3. When the nations are agitated, it's like the waves of the sea. God is still with his people, and we must never forget that. Verse 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. Here we're introduced to another name of God, and that is Jehovah, Jehovah Sabaoth. And it means the Lord of angel armies. The Lord Almighty has his heavenly hosts ready to do his work. 
Psalm 24, verse 10, asks the question, Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. God is the King. He is the commander over every army, both spiritual and earthly. We must never forget that. And don't miss, look at that last phrase there, that he is the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you know anything about Jacob, Jacob had a lot of faults of his own. He was a lot like us. But you know what I love? God stuck with him. He allowed Jacob to wrestle with him because he had to get through that time. And, and in all of that, God was shaping Jacob into the man of God that he wanted him to be. A man of faith, changing his name to Israel. <clears throat> Aren't you glad that God takes selfish sinners like us and changes us from the inside out? He did it with Jacob, and he'll do it with each and every one of us. So let's pause, pivot, and praise. Let's thank him for his presence. But then we come to number three, his power. He is above you, and we must never forget that. We, we can depend on God during times like these, because his promise is that his presence is always with us, and that we have his power. Look at verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, according to verse 8, we're told to come behold the works of the Lord. To behold is a command, and it simply means take note. Take note of who he is. Verse 9 shows that in his position as the Almighty, he makes wars cease. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Listen, through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has shattered sin. He has extinguished, we talked about this last week, with, with our shield, he has extinguished the arrows that the devil throws our way. And he burns the chariots with fire. The majority of this psalm is written in the third person as the psalmist speaks about God. But in verse 10, the Lord speaks in the first person from his position as sovereign ruler. And we're called to be still and know that he is God. Now this picture is of opening our clenched fists. You ever just been so angry? You're holding on to something that you just can't let it go and God says I just want you to relax unclench your fist put them down to your side just relax be still and let me be who I am that's what God is saying just take a moment 
in the midst of everything that you may have going on in your life, when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, when you feel like your anxiety is just getting the best of you, take a moment. Relax. Be still. Know that he is God. The purpose of being still is so that we can know who he is. To know means to acknowledge and comprehend, to discover intimately. Now notice the last part of verse 10. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Brothers and sisters, no matter what happens, remember this. God is still exalted among the nations. And he will be exalted in all of the earth. He is working things out for his glory. We may not see it. We may not like everything that's happening. And we may go, uh, uh, God, are you paying attention? Can, can you press pause on your DVR and actually pay attention to what's going on down here? Because I feel like you have no clue what's going on right now. Can, can, right here. Like, it's falling apart. But you know nothing catches God off guard? You know, when, when COVID hit, God didn't went, oh, didn't see that one coming. Dang, China, I didn't know that was even coming my way. When the election results came in, do you think God went, wow, I didn't see that happening. Wow, Georgia flipped, didn't see that one coming. Wow, Ohio stayed red, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Do you think God didn't see all of this happening? God knew it. Nothing catches God off guard. And listen, nothing that you do catches God off guard. He allows things to happen because he doesn't want robots. And he says, all I want you to do is come to know me as your savior. Those who know Jesus Christ have nothing to fear. Nothing has happened outside of his plan. And I know, listen, I know you're going, well, God, that's not my plan. God, that's not the way that I would have decided it. God, could you have... Careful. So how do we bring all of this together? I got just a couple of action steps that we're going to put together here. The first one is very simple. It's hard to do, but it's simple. Get right with God. Today. Today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Today, get right with God. You know, this whole COVID thing, it's terrible, right? The state of our nation is sad, right? But guess what? Hell is worse. Please never forget that. If you don't know Jesus Christ through the new birth, you're in deep trouble. We've all been infected with the virus of sin, and the only healing for our souls is to be saved by the Savior. James 4, 4 asked this question, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is way, way too unpredictable to live without him at the center of our life. We measure our lives in years, right? In, in infants, until they hit about three years old, we, we measure it in months. But God says, I measure it 
by days. You know, it's interesting in Luke chapter 13, verse 5, when Jesus gave his commentary, there was a tower that was built and it fell and it, it killed 18 workers. He didn't give some theological discourse on the problem of evil. Instead, he personalized the tragedy and he said this, unless you repent, you too will perish. Dang, Jesus, it's awful harsh. But Jesus speaks truth to us. And that's what we always have to remember. Get right with God. Number two, get ready for the return of Jesus. All of this serves as a reminder that this world will not last. In Luke chapter 21, verses 10 through 11, it gives us a taste of what the last days will be like. Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, in various places, famines and pestilence. He's coming, and we better be ready. Number three, tell others about Jesus. Don't wait. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your coworker, your family members. If we keep reading in Luke chapter 21, we come to verse 13. This will be your opportunity, Jesus says, to bear witness. Am I saying that it's going to happen now and right now because of everything that's happening in 2020? I don't have a clue. But what I do know is we are living in the last days. And we better be ready. And we better be ready to tell others about Jesus. Now is that time. Don't hold back. Share your story. But Travis, I don't know all of the Bible. And I don't know. You know Jesus. And you know how you accepted him. Share your story. And number four, be the church. Even though there's a lot that is happening, we have been called to be the church there as I said there are some churches that aren't even able to meet right now there's some that aren't able to be back in person with us who are watching online right now be the church where you are be the church Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 or 43 and 7 and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's come together. Let's be the church. You know, when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, there was a feeling of exhilaration by our enemies. But one man knew. One man knew better. Japanese Admiral Yamahoto. He knew, rather than victory, Japan instead sowed the seeds for its final defeat. In his famous quote, 
we have awakened a sleeping giant and filled him with a terrible resolve. I pray that the church be awoken, that we will be filled with resolve to share the gospel message with all of those that we come in contact with. Right now, we're going to do what we read here in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to break bread. We're going to take communion. If you haven't had a chance to get your communion, it's on the back tables. You can pick that up, come back to your seats. I want you to remember what the Lord did for you. Jesus gave his life for you. And so as we prepare to take communion, I want you just to reflect on this last week. I want you to take this opportunity to just be still. Know who he is. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you that we are able to be in your house today, that we're able to watch online, that we're able to celebrate who you are. Father, I pray that you will give us the ability to just see where we're at and that we will just pause, that we will pivot, and that we will praise you for all of who you are. Father, as we continue our service, I just ask that you continually be with us. Give us your spirit that we